All right, race fans, Ryan Eho here and the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, how you doing, man? Good. Sorry, just rubbing that the dirt <laughs> dust out of my eyes. I just got done I, watching Bristol. I know I, the day racing gets you every time. You know, it was that that's it's it's bad when the racing is so dusty that your eyes start to hurt like at home watching it on TV. That's not a good deal at all. Unfortunately, it's not just NASCAR that laid that egg. We've seen several uh, Southern late model series doing the same thing, but day racing, it still sucks. It just does. I, I don't know any other way to put it, but uh, before we get into the show, episode number 73, of course, uh, you know, want to give our friends over in Montevideo, Minnesota, a shout out uh, www.buyracerts.com. You know, buy, you know, t-shirts. If you're a race car driver and you need shirts, it don't matter if you're that low budget team, that top tier team, if you want to buy 50 of them or if you want to buy 500 of them, it don't matter. Get a hold, get a hold of Jordan over there. He'll take good care of you. Buyracerts.com. So Bert, let's get into the racing action and let's not start with NASCAR. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I got to admit, I did watch it. I did. I did. Uh, not all of it. You know, I, I watched most of the last stage there. But uh, we'll get into some late model racing, right? We'll talk. We'll talk some late models. Sorry, Keith. We're going to start with the late models. We're not starting with your sprint cars. Jeff paid me to do that. So you know, starting off uh, the world of outlaws, they were they were down at the Cherokee Speedway, and this was something they kind of been talking about for a while on the Rock Galt Memorial. It was supposed to be Friday, Saturday. Mother Nature, your feature winner, Saturday night. So Friday night, they kind of had a weird format and. I may or may not have texted the World of Outlaw Series director, and I did not get a response. I said, do you care to comment on the Oprah Winfrey uh, format here for Friday night? You know, that you get a trophy, and you get a trophy, and you get a trophy, and everybody gets a trophy, right? And uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, going, what in the world is he talking about? So, so they had a World of Outlaw deal, right? It was supposed to be 40 grand. They actually bumped it up 40 grand on Saturday, but night one, they ran qualifying like they do. They run the heat races, and then they split the field. Half the cars go in feature number one. The other half the cars go in feature number two. And I talked to a few fans, and they're like, well, I think that was pretty cool because you get to see more more features. And I'm like, I thought it kind of sucked because it's like, you could, I don't know if you even call it winning a feature. And Bert, you know, I'll start with the results, but I want your thoughts on this. So with an asterisk or uh, something there, maybe unofficially, but Brandon Shepard and Jimmy Owens finally find victory lane. I have a hard time counting it. I guess they call it a feature, but I'm like, I don't know. I mean, if you put that in the wind calling as they want a feature, well, half the good guys were in the other race. I mean, what's your thoughts on that deal? I think that was stupid. Well, I will say, uh, yeah, I mean, based on uh, the Brandon Shepard's interview after that, that feature uh he considers it a feature win uh they made a big deal about him winning his first feature of the year um so uh i mean i mean they they do that in eldora for the world 100 you know they they do that two separate times but then they have to line up again i mean they use the feature finish i'm assuming they use the feature finishes a lineup they would have used them to line up saturday night show or not no uh-uh. Oh, no, okay. totally different deal. They were doing time trials, heats, a whole nother, a whole nother deal. That was, that was a non-points deal. Just, uh, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know. It, it wasn't okay. a prelim night, well, so, so now, no. Now that I'm privy of that information, yeah, I don't quite see what the point of doing that is. Um, I mean, yes, you, you do get... Yes and no, you get to see more features. I mean, if if they would only run one feature, then you'd have, uh, um, you know, B mains that drivers would have to race in to get to the main feature. So you're still going to see uh, the same amount of racing unless they had B mains too to qualify for the, the two A mains. <laughs> You know, and, and you look at it, and, and you know, hats off on uh, Minnesota guy Brent Larson. He wrote, he got, he did get top five. He got fifth, and but you know, and, and I'm not not to take anything away from it, right? But would it have been fifth if they would have ran just one feature, right? Maybe it would have been tenth or twelfth. I don't know, but I mean, when they when they do that, I mean, it's still an accomplishment. It's still kind of a win for B Chef, but the com a competitive person kind of sits back and they're like. Yeah, but I didn't beat everybody that was there. I mean, it don't even, I, it just feels weird to me, right? I remember I remember going to the Wasota 100 back in the, it would have been the early to mid-90s, and they had a, a ton of cars. It was like, you know, they were getting 120, 130 modifieds, and they decided to do that affirmative action lineup deal there, and they're, I will put half the cars in one feature and half the cars in the other feature, and hey, we got two feature winners. It no, just feels I, awkward. It's stupid. It's like, you know, it should be hard to get in the show. You have 120 cars and you win the feature, man, you won something. That, that should be special. But now it's no different than winning a 60-car show. I mean, in this field here, it's not like they had that many cars. I think there was only like 40, roughly, somewhere in that neighborhood, and they split them up. It's like, what? I mean, you know, some of these guys are like, I made a World of Outlaw feature. Everybody did. Congratulations. You know, good for you, right? You know, literally, you could have went there with a crate late model and been in one of the features the first night. You didn't even need to – you could go qualify dead last, be three seconds off the pace, and then be like, well, we're going to put you in feature one. I don't know. Makes no sense to me. But needless to say, uh, if that's what it took to kind of ignite Jimmy Owens and Brandon Shepard, they, they got in the win column. Now we're going to see, you know, how that progresses from there. I mean, it was only a matter of time, but – and I, I kind of wonder how they feel. You know, I'm sure I'm, a win is a win. They're excited about a win. I get it. I mean, heck, you're excited you win a heat. You know, but the fact of the matter is, I wonder if there's that little bit, that little voice inside of them going, well, cool, dude, you finally won a feature. We're to the end of March, and you got one feature win, and it was like kind of a feature. It wasn't even a real feature. I wonder if they got that kind of playing in their mind right now, like that maybe kind of fuels them to get like a quote-unquote real win. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see if they can kind of, capitalize on that moving forward you know another thing that stuck out to me there um you know we talked about it ricky weiss right you know we got second in the world of outlaws last year he splits right from from bloomquist and they got the sniper chassis out there and man he's been struggle bus i mean he he ended up dnfing but quite frankly even when they split the field he wasn't all that competitive in the split field Right. So, I mean, he wasn't going to be running anywhere in the front. I think he was running mid pack or worse when he actually broke, wasn't he? Well, I mean, actually, I watched the, the features on uh, Dirt on Dirt. So, you know, they kind of condense them down a little bit. And to be honest with you, I did not see Ricky in any of the video. Um, so, I mean, that tells you uh, where he was running. I mean, actually, uh, I didn't see Jonathan Davenport in any video until the very end of that one feature. I didn't even know he was there. And all of a sudden there's the number 49 car in that, you know, 
in the top five, you know, challenging for third or so. So yeah, there was uh, a couple guys that fell out, but yeah, he was back in like out of the top 10 with only 10, 12 laps to go or whatever. And next thing you know, he kind of found something and he's right to the front. So, but, you know, talking about Ricky, that kind of makes me concerned because in our area, of course, our area is opening up finally this coming weekend. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But one of the guys that kind of maybe had a breakout season, so to speak, Jeffrey Massingill, right? You know, he had a hell of a season last year, um, arguably one of the most consistently fast guys in our whole area. Not a lot of wins, but a ton of top fives. And he raced every big show. Anytime there was a, a big show on the line, 6M unloaded and performed very well. But that was in a kryptonite. Now they, they're supposedly going to that sniper chassis. And, and I'm, I'm concerned. I'm like, I ain't seen nothing special out of Ricky Weiss. I mean, if he ain't running well and Ricky's Ricky's Ricky, Ricky's like, I mean, he's the man. I mean, he's a hell of a race car driver. And if he ain't got that thing figured out, the guy has to wonder if A, if Massengill's going to have to fight a little bit of a learning curve here. And B, rumor has it Shane Edgington also has one. And he went six for six last year, you know, so he's going to be supposedly bringing out a, a car too this year. Ah, oh, man, is there going to be a little bit of a learning curve with them guys? What's your thoughts on that sniper chassis by Weiss? Well, I mean, there, there'll definitely be a learning curve. I mean, that, that was one of the fears that I had when I heard the news that uh, Weiss was going to be introducing his own chassis. I mean, several drivers have introduced chassis, but, you know, I, I don't know how much time um, – they put into this chassis if this was just an off-season thing where they built all these cars or if they've been planning this for you know a year year and a half um because any anytime you introduce something new it, it's going to be there's going to be learning curves i mean you may have a really good race and then you know follow that up with a really bad race i mean you have to you have to learn what the chassis is going to do and you know, unfortunately, he's learning on the fly on the national series, <laughs> which which makes it even even tougher. And the magnifying glass or the magnifying lens is on him a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Yeah, there was a lot of question marks. You're like, well, what's this dude thinking? You know, I mean, he's yeah, the Bloomquist cars kind of had a little bit of an off year. But they've been running pretty good now. I think Bloomer, you know, I mean, what did he end up using the top five too? wasn't he? Yeah, he was running yeah, so, third for a good portion of that. Yeah, feature. so I mean, he he's been running pretty <laughs> solid. So now now he leaves Team Zero. The Bloomquist cars are starting to run pretty good, and he's out there going, "Uh oh, now what?" So Sniper might not be the name because that's a well, you can take if you're a sniper, you can shoot a long ways. I think the Sniper team needs a little target practice right now, and uh, so we'll uh, we'll find out. I think uh, I'm I'm thinking Jeffrey Massengill is going to be heading down to Cedar Lake, so. It'll be interesting to see how that 6M does coming up. So that's enough there on the World of Outlaws. You know, let's talk. We had a bunch of local guys, Bert. They head down to Humboldt, and they had the – supposed to be the battle at the Bullring a couple weeks ago for the B-Mods. That was 10000 to win. And then they had the King of America, and it all kind of got rescheduled to this week. And um, night one, Mother Nature got no, – Mother Nature kind of kicked the tail on a lot of racetracks this past weekend. You know, like literally we had like no picks left because like everything rained out. So Thursday night canceled and uh, Friday night they, they went to they went to race in, in a marathon. It, it ended at like one o'clock in the morning. It was long. They got 200 some cars there. Right. And, I, and I, 
don't get me wrong. I like the, the USRA stock cars, IMCA stock cars. They're kind of the same deal. I like that class. I mean, that's their version of a super stock. But, you know, when you've got darn near 100 A mods and B mods, do you really need a third class? I mean, in my opinion, I mean, nothing against them, but in my opinion, they could have probably just did without that and said, we're going to have A mod, B mod and kind of condense the show a little bit. And then add to that, I don't know where they got this idea. I don't think they do it every week, but they had time trials for the USMTS mods and heck, the track was half wore out before they got to the heat races. You know, I, I just, I'm not a fan of time trials. So I have a lot of drivers that are good drivers that disagree with me greatly because with time trials, they'd be starting in the front. So of course they like time trials, right? But as a fan, there's no value there. There's zero value because number one, very few people enjoy watching time trials. Number two, it wears out the racetrack. Number three, it puts the fast guys right in the front. You know, so you start looking at that and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just not a fan. The entertainment value, I feel, is less. But that kind of wore out the track. And I know you didn't get a chance to watch much of the or any of the of stuff from Humboldt. You know, so I'll kind of fill you on what happened. But it was just. Well, I just want to make one point about time trials i mean i agree with you that uh, uh a show with time trials is less than less entertaining than a show uh without time trials just as an example when i first started going to the world 100 at eldora i mean that's when they would time trial by every car would get uh uh they did two sets of qualifying time trials and they did, that's all friday night show was you watch time trials and then I mean, if more if more than 120 cars showed up, the the cars above 120 race the non qualifying races. But now you go to the World 100, and there are no time trials. It's racing, 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 and it's you know there's times when I would sit in the stands watching the, the heat races and stuff, and it's like we used to come down here and just watch time trials for a full night. This is so much better. <laughs> right, right, a absolutely, and and I'm sure. Let, let's be honest, you know, most promoters, serious promoters kind of get elbowed a little bit by their top drivers. So they probably got kind of talked into it. Their top drivers are like, if we got a hundred cars coming to this deal, we don't want to start last and deal with some of the riffraff here. Give us time trials so we can get up front and kind of go on with our business. I, I know how that game works, right? I, I mean, I was a racer myself and I would have been all about time trials when I was racing. I promise you that. Now, the, I talked about the stock cars there, Bert, you know, night number one, I said, you know, maybe could have done without them, but man, it was an exciting finish. And I don't know any of these guys, but I do know this white flag comes out and they're side by side for the lead at the line. They come down the back straightaway first and second, literally yard sale each other, both get flat tires, yellow flag, third place wins. So it was an exciting finish for the stock cars there and the USRA stock cars, US, uh, the USRA B mods, you know, an old late model legend there from Wisconsin, QQ Tony Barr, parked that baby in victory lane, really smooth on the bottom. He looked really good in that hot rod. And then uh, in the mod feature, Brooks Strength, uh, he led a big chunk of that race. And, and I believe he's driving Cade Dillard's car. So that's an MB and he kind of keeps referencing back to Cade. I think that's Cade's car. But Carlos Amada Jr., I tell you, he, uh, he came up a little ways, snuck back by him. Well, then on the restart, 
you know, they were kind of, they had a little bit of a restart there. Brooks Strength gets together with Terry Phillips and actually they come down into turn one and, and Phillips kind of got into him on the restart, kind of slid him high. They come into turn number three and Brooks Strength yard sales TP. Needless to say, strength to the back, right? So that was that. That was in the closing laps. Amata won TP second and uh, Tanner Mullins. He came from 14th to third. Sanders got fourth. RTJ got fifth. Derek Ramirez, 23rd to sixth. Now, Ebert, Dan Ebert, he's one of our local guys, uh, one hell of a race car driver. Of course, we talked about him in the power rankings. He won the King of Dirt in the mods and lates last year. Struggled pretty much in qualifying. Like he couldn't, he always kind of started a little bit deep and he snuck in on the like the last lap or second to last lap of the B main. And he went from 21st to seventh in the feature. He had a good run. Now, night day number two, I was going to say night number two. For the life of me, Bert, I have no idea why they did this. I mean, I get they want to get all the races in. I get it, right? But they decide that, hey, we're just going to start at 10 a.m. And we're going to get, like, the extra show in. It's like, I'm looking at that deal. I'm like, just kind of rearrange the format a little bit and start later. What's with this 10 a.m. stuff? I mean, I, like, myself, I, I would have slept past. I think some people did because not everybody ran it because that was a USRA deal. And there's some people that didn't race that one. And, I don't know if they just opted out of it or if they were still drunk or hung over from the night before. I'm not really sure. I, I've seen at a lot of them two, three day shows. I've literally seen people that are still shit faced at 10 o'clock in the morning. So maybe some of that, maybe some hangovers, maybe some people said, screw it. I'm not racing the USRA show, but they didn't all run that show. And honestly, very uneventful. I mean, I mean, let's just face it 10 o'clock in the morning. You ain't going to have much passing during that day. It was kind of kind of cruddy racing, in my opinion, all the way through that. So then they separated out. Then they finally went to the main event Saturday night. Uh, I tell you, the track was pretty good. I was skeptical, you know, starting at 10. And there was some pretty good racing in, in all of the features. They farmed it. And they worked the hell out of that track. And, you know, the the Battle of the Bullring 10,000 win USRA B-Mod show, that was pretty good stuff. A, a Wissota guy from up in uh, Marinesco, Michigan, he runs the ABC Raceway in Ashland, kind of runs over in that area. Marcus Dunbar, he led the lion's share of that deal. 50-lap B-Mod feature, Bert. I figured that was going to take at least four or five hours, and they got it done <laughs> pretty quickly, so it actually went pretty good. But then he kind of ran top two most of the race. He led a chunk of it, fell back to second. He was looking good. Honestly, I felt like he had a podium car, and with 17 to go, this Chris Jackson guy from Missouri, after a restart, decided to take a hard left in the middle of the back straightaway, drove right over his right front tire. And that was it. He made it down into three and four. Tire was flat, spun around, kind of wadded up a couple cars, got out, and he made sure to let that guy know that he was number one in his eyes. You know, that was nice. I think he was telling him, good luck. Um, I'm not really sure what that sign language meant. I may have done some stuff like that, but you can tell he was not real happy. And, uh, but that guy got a spot back, you know, cause he, he drove over him in the back straightaway and Dunbar ended up spinning out coming out of four. So it was related, but unrelated. So that guy got a spot back and he ended up getting second. So I was a little bit bitter about that. I'm like, maybe, maybe he should have went back out and drove over his front end on the yellow or something to make sure he was done too. I mean, I've never, I never would have did that, but somebody might have. Right. And, uh, but I tell you the story of that deal. I don't know if you, I don't think you watched it yet, but JC no. Morton, 
he came from 20th to win that deal and he was charging on the high side he was that's, that's his second battle of the bullring win he was freaking impressive I mean, that dude was up on the wheel, hustling the high side, sparks coming off the wall. He was really fun to watch. He put on a hell of a show. And uh, second went to that Chris Jackson and Tony Barr, of course, who won the the first night. He, he finished on the podium with a third. So great job there by the QQ. But, you know, fans, if you, you know, if you're wanting, if you're like, well, where, where can I see these features? Jump onto Race and Dirt. They have all the coverage for the USMPS and for the usra um just go on there you'll be able to kind of watch the features they got a subscription i don't know what it costs but you can kind of take a peek at that deal that's where all this racing action was and the usmts modifieds um that didn't disappoint either Bert. that was a hell of a feature honestly last year i didn't watch much usmts stuff but this year you know with ebert and glenn's and you know, Jason Good, who Jason Good won a heat race down there, Landon Atkinson, some of our guys following that series. I'll be I'll be watching a lot more of this. And Ebert, again, he struggled, right? He struggled. He's, you know, I talked to him. He's like, we're gonna see how these next couple of weeks go. And he was in a transfer spot on the last lap. I think maybe it wasn't quite the last lap, it was towards the end of an LCQ. And uh, he he parked, he went down to the inside of Derek Ramirez in three and four. And Ramirez kind of changed lanes, didn't chop him. I think, I think Dan didn't, just didn't expect him to kind of come down. They got together. Ramirez went around, Ebert to the back. I hated to see it. I did because I'm kind of a homer. I, I really like Dan, but he got put to the back and that ended his whole chance getting in. You know, you get put to the back with a handful of laps left in an LCQ. You're watching the feature. It just is what it is. So I that sucked for him. I hated to see that. But a guy that got redemption there, who Brooks Strength, who was had a podium finish lined up night one, he uh he I tell you, he got redemption because he absolutely gave them an ass kicking. He he just stomped them and uh he won the King of America 20,000 win for the 444. And uh there was a uh, here's an idea, Bert, of how much passing there was. Rodney Sanders, ninth to second. Jake O'Neill, 11th to third. Terry Phillips. Now, Terry Phillips probably had a top three car, but early in the race, it was still a little greasy. He just about spun out in front of the whole field. Like, he was gone. Everybody missed him. They gathered back up. No yellow. Lost a bunch of spots. And he ended up getting back up to fourth. And uh, Derek Ramirez, who I tell you, he's passing a lot of cars. He started 19th and got fifth. Another guy that, that was down there is a guy that that I kind of brag on a little bit, Johnny Broking. And he, he had a Wasota Concept motor in, so he's a little underpowered. And he just he looked a little off most of the week, but he did start 22nd and got up to 12th in that deal. So overall, some pretty damn good racing down there at Humboldt. I don't typically like dry slick stuff, but you know the, the difference between modifieds and late models is when it's dry, modifieds can move around on the racetrack and uh, midwest mods can move around and then usra stock cars can move around and you know so they they were able to get it racy with that many cars i think they did a great job down there i think they put on a heck of a show and uh it'd be interesting because a couple of the guys in our area that were planning to follow that series they're not looking real good after the first few weeks in the points here so it's going to be interesting to see I know they got another race coming up. We'll talk about that shortly, but it'll be interesting to see if they follow it. But uh, Terry Phillips, he's uh, he's current point leader right now with the US MPS Modifieds and the old KG veteran. He, he knows how to get around the racetrack, Bert. So that's enough on Humboldt. I know you weren't there. Any questions? I mean, 
Anything that, uh, did you read anything, anything stick out to you or should we move on to the world of all? Well, I mean, you know, you, you talked about some of the local drivers who, you know, they're uh, like Glenn's. I mean, he's been qualifying for the features, but, you know, he's been finishing the, in the back of the features. And I mean, I, I guess when you look at the quality of the drivers that race this series, I mean, just making the feature, I mean, is an accomplishment. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to justify following an entire series if you're going to be finishing towards the tail. And I mean, you know, it's not like he has, you know, he's raced mods a lot over the last few years. So, I mean, you know, you got, have to give him a little bit of time to get accustomed to everything. And, you know, this is a different series that he's racing in. So I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Uh, he's doing a really good job on social media, you know, keeping uh, his fans up to date as to, uh, what's going on at the races, how he's doing at the races. Uh, he uh, posted a TikTok video of, of them working on the car. At the, he must have got into a little bit of a of a accident on Friday night. And then part of that video, and I, I sent a picture to you, uh, he was washing tires in a creek by the racetrack. And I thought that was that was kind of funny. And you said you said that's that's not uncommon for two day shows. So but I, I'm just a little concerned about if, if those tires ever get tested. I mean, what chemicals are in that creek? Well, the water wasn't exactly <laughs> blue. It looked like I don't know if it was sewer water or if it looked like just swamp water or what it was. I looking at that water, it was kind of like green and murky. I'm like, you know, maybe algae on top of it or whatever. I'm like, yuck, gross, you know, but yeah, we used to do that. I remember down at, at several specials, multi-day shows, we're scrubbing the tires, finding a pond, or what, doing what we had to do to get them clean. And, you know, I, I figured he'd just be bolting new ones on every night. I didn't even figure he'd be <laughs> scrubbing. I'm kind of surprised by that. But he actually won a heat down there. And, you know, his car didn't look – it didn't look good. Um, it looked it looked a little tight on entry. It looked, looked flat. Like, if you watch the 89X, which sharp-looking car, kind of a retro theme there, my, somebody said Miami Vice looking deal kind of had that retro deal, but his car looks a little flatter, right? It, it kind of a little tight in, doesn't seem to lunge off the corner like some of them cars. And you see some of them USMTS cars there. I mean, they're rocked up on that left rear. The, the nose is in the ground and his car is a little flatter. So I don't think they quite found it yet, but he's a talented driver. Plus right now, the, the shows are a little bit skewed, right? Because most places ain't open. So you're getting way more cars at these shows than you're going to get probably through the heart of the season. I mean, I can't, I can't picture most of the season having, you know, 90 cars at their shows. I just don't see that happening. Um, especially once all the other tracks open up. So that'll change things as well, uh, as well. But uh, we're, we're going to continue to keep an eye on those guys and, and see if we can maybe get them guys up in the top five at some point here. Ebert um, out of all the guys in our area, Ebert has looked the best. A um, little sluggish from like the beginning parts of the race, but towards the end of the race, he's always kind of finding himself there. Of course, he didn't make the show in the last one, but uh, he, he's passed a lot of cars. He started deep, so it'll be interesting to see how the 60 car can do this coming week. So, um, Keith, we didn't forget about you, buddy. We're going to get into the world of outlaw sprint cars. <laughs> and uh, again, Friday night, um, none of us got our picks right. Mother Nature is the winner on Friday night. But on Saturday, they had the Jason Johnson Classic at the Lake Ozark Speedway. And, uh, oh, man, I tell you, I always say I like a track with character. <laughs> that track had some character. It was not smooth, dry. There was no chance of taking rubber. It was cowboy up. In fact, 
it was so rough, right? The track was so rough that during the, when they were doing the driver's introductions, they actually announced single file restarts only for safety reasons because the track was too rough. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. And and it, it was pretty exciting. Now, I know you watched uh, at least the highlights on that deal. What stuck out to you at the Jason Johnson Classic? Well, I mean, you're correct. I mean, the track was rough. Uh, it's not too often you see a rough track for sprint cars. And uh, and we, if you watch this feature, you understand why. Because, I mean, a rough track really upsets the... I mean, yes, a dirt late model may get may jump up in the air and be off the ground, you know, all four tires off the ground. Um, but, uh, you know, these uh, sprint cars are really... Uh, uh, it's a little dicey when they're racing on a rough track. And uh, Jacob Allen, he bicycled. <laughs> he bicycled early in the race. And then I don't know how many laps later. Maybe he, two, he, two or he three. Flipped. He flipped. He ran right. He ran the exact same line and flipped. I mean, the exact same line that he bicycled only a couple laps earlier. And then he flipped the second time. <laughs> I, I've been saying this for a long time. You don't need big brains to run a sprint car. You need big balls to run a sprint car. So yeah, when you go through the same hole twice, right. And then roll over the second time, that's on you, right? I mean, cause he just about rolled the first time he bicycled good and kind of gathered it back up and it, it wasn't so lucky the next time, needless to say, I mean, you got to have some big, big uh, cojones to run them sprint cars. Cause you don't lift. I mean, you're on the pump for sure. And, you know, I figured that that would have been a track for like a Sheldon Hottenchild to either wreck or destroy shit or maybe win, but he didn't do either one of those. And uh, the first three-time winner for the World of Outlaws series in 2021, I, I don't want to brag. No, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because you and I both picked this one right, Bert, right? So we both got this one right. The, the big cat, Brad Sweet, parked it in Victory Lane. So... I don't know how to say it without saying it, but you and I were the only two out of the five to get a pick right this week. I'm just saying, right? So, and now we're sprint car experts. Yeah, we're sorry, Keith. <laughs> uh, kind of got bumped to the side just a little bit. In fact, we're going to talk about his picks in just a little bit here. He's he's due, but uh, man, oh man. So Logan Schuhart second, and uh, yeah. So needless to say, great race in action. I actually had my text message, you know. Or in my text here that I, we, we did not pick too hard. We picked Sweet. So we got that down. So Brad Sweet parking in victory lane and is obviously the reigning World of Outlaw champion, I think, back-to-back -back years. And he's leading the points again. So I tell you, that blue, white, and yellow 49, that's that's like my colors. I just That car is just sweet. It's fast. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him win a bunch of races this year. So that, that was some pretty exciting stuff for the world of all. I was kind of a bummer, you know, that first night rained out, but they got the second night in nonetheless. We got some sprint car action. And let's jump into what we were watching right before we jumped on here. So I'm just going to put it this way. What was your thoughts of it's dirt baby at Bristol for the NASCAR? What was your thoughts? I'm going to let you just go ahead and roll with it. Well, on Saturday, I was really miffed and I, I was just really miffed. <laughs> I mean, what upset me, I mean, obviously they, they got thrown a curveball with the weather. I mean, you can't control the weather. And uh, I was really surprised they actually tried to race that first truck race because I had actually turned it off for a bit because I thought, 
it's going to be a while before they're racing because that track was pretty tacky. And and then I flip back and they're pulling into the pits and their windshields are just covered with with mud. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, probably it was probably a good thing it started racing after that. Right? You know, just just put the whole day out of its misery and move on. But what upset me after they they canceled Saturday's program was okay we're gonna get rid of the heat races now and we're gonna line up based on point standings what upset me about that was for more than a month you've been promoting this we're we're going back grassroots racing we're going dirt racing we're doing this we're doing this and then you get rid of the heat races well there's nothing more grassroots racing than having heat races so in your contentious contingency plan you have to have a plan where you can still run your heat races as well as you know your big race and then the other thing that irked me from their announcement on saturday was the truck race was going to move to sunday night on fs2 who has fs2 i have the sports i have the sports package on direct tv i don't have fs2 so i wouldn't even have been able to watch it so you're promoting this grassroots we're going dirt racing but nobody's going to be able to watch it because we're going to put it on fs2 for the truck series the 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 cup series was still going to be on on uh you know a channel more people could watch um, what, did, I, did the truck race end up being on fs2 i didn't watch the trucks what no it was on trucks? it was on fs1 Okay. Uh, okay. Earlier today, and I did not see the truck race because I was working, but I did hear that it was pretty good. Um, I'm not, you know, I can't judge that because I didn't watch it. But obviously, the truck race was the first race after all that heavy rain, so they probably had the best track because then the Cup race raced, you know, an hour or so afterwards, and that track. You might as well say they were racing on asphalt with dirt, with with dirt sprinkled on top to make it dusty and <laughs> i mean my my thing with nascar is if you're going to go dirt racing don't don't just put your big toe in the water go for it i mean modify these modify the trucks modify the cars so they can run without a windshield and so you can put a little bit more moisture in the racetrack and you don't have to even though it's a dirt surface, you might as well say you're racing on, on asphalt. I mean, even the announcers were saying that, you know, the dirt's like asphalt. And, well, that's because it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ken, Kenny Wallace had a rant on there about, you know, basically kind of almost kind of like smack talk in the dirt fans because everyone said the same thing. Take the windshields out. I mean, it's, it's kind of common sense. Now, he's like, well, they didn't plan for that, which is he's right. You know, right. He, he's right. They that. didn't plan for that, but if they, they first of all, they should have planned for that. Absolutely, next year they announced they're doing this again. Yeah. They got to get rid of the windshields, put moisture on the track because had there been no rain that first day and they had bars instead of windshields, I think that might have been some exciting racing because there was some moisture on the track and it might have been a little greasy for the first couple. But I think you're going to see, you're going to see some action-packed racing. You maybe see a cushion, all kinds of different stuff, right? You know, I look at the way these cars or the trucks and cars handle. It really reminds me of the old late models that were flat going around the racetrack. I mean, they made it work, you know, so they, they can do the same thing. Yeah, they got, 
They might have to do a little bit with the noses on these things because they were having an overheating issue. But all they got to do is open them up and put screen behind them. You know, that's basically it. Or just get the noses a little bit off the ground. I know that's, uh, you know, an old super stock trick back, back in the day when we had a hard time cooling them. You just have your nose a little higher to get more air underneath. You know, so they might have to work on that a little bit. But, you know, man, the fact that they had windshields in, that was just a head scratcher to me. I, I honestly had no idea that they were going to do that. I just kind of assumed that, hey, we're going dirt racing. They're taking the windshields out. And that wasn't the case, which, in my opinion, is kind of stupid. And uh, who ended up winning the cup deal? Wasn't that Joey Logano got that Joey one? Joey Logano. And, yeah, yeah regard regarding the windshields i knew they'd have the windshields in because when the trucks raced at eldora they had the windshields in but that that was part of uh the thing was you know tony stewart obviously owns eldora so he would prepare the track for the truck race and his goal was to make the track hard because the vehicles have windshields um but i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna stick your toe into the dirt race dirt racing stick your whole foot in and let's let's do this don't don't do it half-assed exactly and, and here's the thing is there's a lot of tracks that like to prepare their track hard because top tier drivers like the drive slick track because it kind of separates right it's easier for a top tier driver to win when the track's slippery because they're better on it well as a fan i'm telling you right now that i would literally rather like not watch racing than watch bone dry dry slick racing right i was gonna say something else but i'll i'll just leave it at that because it just it's irritating you know all they got to do is look online right look at any of the message boards look at facebook look at twitter look at all that when there's a track that's got some character some attitude a little bit of chop a little bit of traction doesn't have to be monsoon swamp right but just has some attitude to it that's when the best, most entertaining races happen, period, by far, right? And when the track is black top to bottom and marbly and dusty and nobody can see, that's what everybody's bitching about it. Well, hello, right? If you're a track promoter, you know what the fans want. Give them what they want. The drivers are going to bitch regardless, okay? If it's dry, slick, and hard on tires, they're crying that it's one lane and rubbered up, right? Or it's marbly and you can't pass. They're going to bitch if it's choppy and a little bit of attitude to it. We're race car drivers. We bitch. That's what we do. It just is what it is. You know, so you ain't, your goal best not be able to, you're not trying to make the race car driver happy because that ain't going to happen. Okay. That's out of the equation. Your job is the entertainment business. So you need to provide the most entertaining form of racing, which is a track with a little character and proof of that Bert is our next topic was Florence. Now, did you jump on flow? Did you watch the feature at Florence? Yeah. Before we get to Florence, I have one more thing. And uh, don't run the race in the daytime, run it at night. I mean, Bristol has lights. Yeah, day racing sucks. Even if you want to run the truck race early like you did, take the afternoon to prepare the track again, add some moisture, and they could be running the cup race right now. Right. They have this coming weekend off, so it's not like they had to get anywhere. So, okay, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and in my <laughs> opinion, I would see, I'd rather see the truck race on Tuesday night. Run them all at night. Hell with this. Day, day racing on, on dirt is absolutely stupid. Asphalt, you can get away with it because the surface is the same. Yeah, the sun might, might get more slippery or whatever, but it's kind of the same deal. 
But the fact is, you get on a dirt track during the day and you're fighting the dust. It is what it is. It's it's stupid. So, but we get down to Florence, and I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks back when the RTJ won down there, and and uh, Jimmy Owens's car was bouncing like a basketball coming off of turn number two the one time. Well, the track was a little choppy again. Maybe not quite so bad, but this was, in my opinion, the race of the week. I mean, it was. There was a good portion of this race that was absolutely phenomenal. And, and the people involved with it was the, the Silver Shark. I think they call him Scott James, Turbo, Tyler Herb, and then Josh Rice. And, and Bert, I know you watched it. So why don't you kind of fill everybody in a little bit on kind of what you thought of that race and kind of what happened, who won. And then I'll kind of got a couple of things to add to that deal. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, it was a very... It was a, an exciting race to watch. I mean, uh, Scott James led a, uh, a good portion of the early portion of the race. Uh, but and then Josh Rice took the lead and uh, Tyler Herb was lurking in third. And, you know, he'd do some sliders and fall back then. Um, but I don't know if you took notice of this one particular part. And uh, if you go to Dirt on Dirt, it's about the 420 mark of the feature replay on Dirt on Dirt. Um, but they're coming out of turn four and uh, Tyler Herb did a slider. And I, I think Rice was leading and James was like right here and Herb did a slider and the other two just, just parted enough where Herb went, they passed him at, with Herb in the middle. I mean, it was crazy. They were, yeah. I mean, it, they were that, that inches apart. <laughs> that was intense. When, when that happened, I'm like, how, did they not all get wrecked and into the fence? I'm like, I, I just I shook actually, my head. And, I had to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> right. And and you look at that and you get a track with character. Now, Josh Rice wins this race. That kid is freaking bolted. I'm telling you, that kid needs some backing behind him mm -hmm. because he's a legit, like he can run with the Lucas Oil World of Outlaw guys. He is for real. He's well, really he should have. He, he should have won a Lucas race last year. Remember, he lost by inches. Uh, yeah, Pearson Jr. I do, I do, and and he should have probably won the first Florence race. He was in second at the time and broke. You know, so that kid is absolutely lights out fast. But Casey Schumann, wake up! Period. Wake up! If you know Casey, make sure that you let him know that I said that he needs to get his head out of his ass. OK, because the fact that Tyler Herb is still like on this indefinite suspension from World Racing Group is the most idiotic thing I have ever seen in my entire life. It's stupid. What he did at the USA Nationals was wrong. I've seen a hell of a lot worse. OK, but the fact is, I don't care if you like him or you hate him. That dude sells tickets. He is fun to watch. And the fact that he was dicing it up and chucking them sliders back and forth like that race was flat out entertaining. And, and if you're the world of outlaws, you want him at your racetrack because if you're promoting that he's coming, more people are watching, period. So, so you got to get over this whole, you know, like I'm mad at him. I don't care. Like whatever. You got to get past that, right? The world racing group, the hell tour, right? All that. They need him back because there's a lot. He can't run the, the, the UMP Summer Nationals either because that's WRG. So the fact is, they got to they gotta get over this deal. Like, he, he's got to be able to be anywhere, anytime because I'm telling you, he is flat out entertaining. And 
I'm looking forward to seeing him again this weekend, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Now, another race we picked, Bert, the Thaw Brawl. Mother Nature kicked that one's tail, too. Sounds like they maybe could have raced, but, you know, he didn't want to fight against the weather. They rescheduled that yeah. one a couple weeks out. So, but uh, that, in, in my opinion, the race of the week, if you haven't watched it, race fans, if you haven't, jump on Dirt on Dirt, do yourself a favor, or go to flow, right? You can just, because dirt on dirt, if you have dirt, you have flow. Uh, if you have dirt on dirt, you have flow. It's the same deal, right? I pref- I would prefer to go to flow because then you can watch like the whole feature, right? You know, they don't kind of condense it and right. all that. If you if you only have a short window of time, just watch the replay and they kind of condense that out a little bit. <laughs> like, like if you watch them during your lunch break. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, if you, you know, watch them during work, your boss might not like that very much. So, but what, either way, do yourself a favor, watch that race. It was, it was a really entertaining race. And there was a good chunk of that race through the middle that you really had no idea who was going to win. I mean, it was, it got pretty dicey. So um, I've seen a couple races there, that Florence Speedway is somewhere I got to get down to. It's got a little attitude. Well, it I mean, looks like it's a pretty racy joint. Actually the, the Florence race on dirt and dirt was the complete race. Uh, it was 40 minutes long. And I looked at that. How can, how can 40 laps be 40 minutes long, but then all the cautions were in it. All the cleanup was in it. So uh, it, it just depends. I mean, some of the races they condense down and some of them, they don't really big track, 60 second lap times. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I, I, that must be like a three ace deal. Um, you know, like a medium sized three ace in our area. I, I don't even know what I'd compare it to. Maybe a, maybe a granite city size, um, something like that. It's, it's a little bit flatter. It's not, it's smaller. I was just going to say, it, it's kind of a flat track. It, it's yeah. not a lot of banking. I would say that reminds me of Granite City Motor Park down in Sock Rapids, Minnesota. Excited about that place. They got a lot of lot of exciting stuff happening down there um, that we'll be talking about sooner rather than later. But, you know, let's take a look ahead, right? Let's take a look ahead. And, you know, obviously uh, they, they canceled night one of the Castro flow. What is it? The flow night in America. Um, but Wednesday, right, which is, I'm posting this probably, what's Monday right now, we're doing the show, we'll be posting this on Tuesday, so y'all can watch this on Wednesday night. Night number one of that deal, they're going to be at the Tri-City Speedway, Granite City, Illinois. And I tell you, there was some good racing there at the end of last year, too. We saw that double header. I think it was the MLRA cars were there um, where, we, where we watched that and some good racing there. And night number one, and I I'm excited, not necessarily for just the race, but I'm excited for the for the broadcast, like how they do it, because this is the Dirt on Dirt crew, the flow crew, and like this is that they're putting it together, right? This is the Dirt on Dirt crew putting this together. So they're going to have a little bit different broadcast, and they're kind of going all out. So I'm excited about that, but let's talk picks, okay? Because where we're at right now in the standings, okay, rounding out the top five, out of five, I'm just saying, um, is is my buddy Keith. He's our sprint car expert, and uh, he's batting a hundred on not getting any right. So he's he's still got the goose egg going on. All right, now now Jeff, who, who's our late model expert, and Pete, who's kind of well rounded and kind of gives us a little bit on everything, they're both tied at two, and and Bert, you got three. You're you're kind of batting in that number two spot right now, and. I, I don't need to say it. Um, I just like winning and I'm leading right now. So 
kind of plan on keeping it that way. I'm just saying. And I got four wins. I don't got a very big lead, though. I'm really good at picking drivers that don't even show up to the race. I, I've done that a time or two. Otherwise, I might have a few more. But uh, tight battle, four, three, two, two, and zero right now. And let's go with our first pick of this week at the Tri-City Speedway. Bert, who do you got? Oh, he's on a hot streak now. He won a feature. I'm going to go with Brandon Shepard. <laughs> I tell you, he's tough at home. He's tough at home. And I'm going to take uh, – I'm taking Bobby Pierce. That place tends to get a little bit of a cushion on top. And and uh, I tell you, if he gets a little bit of a cushion up there, Bobby Pierce could be the guy to beat. And I know that Pete, he took Brandon Shepard as well. Jeff, he's going kind of with an, a local guy, uh, Frank Heckenass Jr. And uh, Keith has taken Turbo to win there on Wednesday night. So that's, that's that night. Now we're going to get into the world of outlaw sprint cars here. They're racing Friday, Saturday down in Peebley, Missouri at the I-55 Speedway. I think it's a Federated Auto Parts I-55 Speedway is what it is. And uh, just to let you know, of course, that cast roll that night we talked, the one we talked about, you'll be able to see that on Flow Racing. Um, that's Wednesday night. The World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, of course, that's on Dirt Vision, and that's a double header, ten grand to win each night. Bert, you go ahead. Who do you got? Uh, he's going to extend his streak and I'm going to take, uh, Brad sweet for the first night. Okay. How about the second night? Uh, I will take Shuhart. All right. So he's got Brad sweet, Logan Shuhart. I'm just gonna, I, I may have learned something here from Pete. We're going to see how it works. I'm picking the same guy for both. I'll take the big cat, Brad sweet to win both of them. He is the point leader. Um, Pete has actually taken David gravel. He's been impressive. He's, uh, he's picking him to win both nights. And uh, Jeff actually has shots to win night number one. Now, he's like, I'm sticking with this dude. He's going to get win number 300 here eventually. So he's probably right. I'm, I'm hoping he gets it this weekend. Kind of the homer in me wants to see our local boy park at Victory Lane. But he has McFadden to take night number two. And then uh, Keith, he's going with his boy Sheldon Hoddenschild. And he says, I ought to get one of the two because he usually wrecks, and then he runs right up front, so he's taking Sheldon to win. Now, let's go World of Oldman Late Model Racing, Farmer City, the Illini 100. Um, that's a big race coming up. Who do you got there? Uh, for the first night, I am going to take uh, the high side hustler, Jason Feger, and for the big show the following night, I will take uh, Bobby Pierce. All right, so you're taking Jason Fager, Bobby Pierce, and uh, boy, Pete's going to not be real happy with me on this one because I'm kind of blocking him just a little bit. But I'll just say Pete and I are both taking Brandon Shepard to double up, okay? And uh, it is really hard to pick that. It's really, really, really hard to pick against Shepard at home. And I, I really thought about taking the squirrel, Brian Shirley, because he is really good at home, too. He's really good on that Illinois dirt. But uh, we're both taking Shepard. Speaking of Shirley, Jeff, our late model guy, is taking the squirrel, Brian Shirley. And then night number two, he's taking Shannon Babb, the Moequa Missile. And then uh, I'm not really sure on this pick. Keith picked Brandon Overton to win both. And, and I tried looking it up. I don't know if he's going to be there. Um, there's a couple other races going on, so I don't know if he's going to make the trip up. But if he makes a pickup, I mean, it's hard to pick against uh, Big Sexy there. So he's going with Overton. Now let's jump on in 
back into the, some US MTS modifies. Now, kind of an interesting development here. It was supposed to be at the 34 Raceway, a double header, kind of a unique deal, Bert. They were going to run the US MTS and they invited the UMP mods to come over. They just got to run an E60 tire. I think it's an E60 on the right rear. So they got to have a little harder tire compound, but they can run their own rules. So the UMP cars can run UMP rules and they're running the USMPS rules for USMPS points. Well, that got canceled due to, due to weather and it got moved over to Webster City, the Hamilton County Speedway, Webster City, Iowa, 5,000 to win on Friday, 10,000 to win on Saturday. Both of those are going to be on race and dirt. Um, Bert, who do you got? I I am going to take Rodney Sanders until he wins a feature. <laughs> <laughs> so Bert is going with Sanders. And again, Pete is going to be disappointed because he also picked Sanders for both nights. I took, I'm taking a guy here that's been running really good that over the last year or two has really kind of got my attention. I'm taking Derek Ramirez and I'll pick him for both nights. And then looking at this right here, um, Jeff took O'Neill. Um, Jeff took O'Neill for both nights. Obviously, he's fast in the zero. And Keith is going with the homer pick. He's going with Dan Ebert. He figured he's due to park that baby in victory lane. So that's our picks for the Hamilton County Speedway. Now, another race that we're not doing picks for that I, quite honestly, I was just kind of searching, kind of seeing what's going on, is they're actually having, they're starting the Schaefer Spring National is starting out this weekend as well, Bert, um, Friday and Saturday night. And I didn't realize that they got some money on the line for these shows. They got, they're actually some big paying shows. I looked at the schedule. I'm like, this could be interesting. You could see some of them regional guys down there, maybe a Madden, right? Maybe an Overton, maybe somebody like that deciding to follow this series. It'll be interesting to see what's going on. But Friday night, I don't know how to say this. It's W-Y-T-H-E, Wythe maybe, the Wythe Raceway. I think it's with you. Withy, okay, we'll go with Withy. He's the journalist here. I'm just the guy that watches races, so we're going to go with the scholar I, of the group. That's Bert. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I'm usually wrong. So, I mean, if you're wrong, that's okay. We're even. It just is what it is. I'm wrong a lot. But uh, 10000 to win. Um, they got a ten grand to win show. That's in rural retreat, Virginia. And I don't know if you remember, but at some point, Davenport kind of called that place his home track. So Jonathan Davenport is scheduled. He's going there. He's not going to run the world of outlaw. You know, he, he doesn't follow that anyway. And obviously this year it, it'll, we'll find out, but I don't think he's following any series. He might follow this one though, because there's some pretty good money on the line for this. And it's a more of a regional deal for him, but Friday on flow, but Davenport is scheduled to attend. It'll be interesting to see. I haven't done enough research. I can personally see, I know Madden sounded like he committed to world of outlaw. Um, but I can see maybe over 10, you know, it'd be interesting to see what maybe Dale McDowell, I can see him being at a race like this. And then Saturday night, Bert, they go to Taswell on uh, Taswell, Tennessee, 21,000 to win that baby. I, I'm like, Hmm, I, that, that kind of got my attention because I, I didn't realize they were paying that kind of money. I thought most of these shows were five grand to win deal and a few tens, but they got several tens and, of course, this one's 21 grand. So that's more late model racing for you on Friday and Saturday. It'll be interesting to see if Davenport can maybe park at Victory Lane. He's actually been, he's been pretty quick. I mean, he, he's he been, I mean, obviously he won Bristol and he, he looked pretty good here this last week and he finished up, I think, what did he get third? Or what, did he finished top five for sure. Do you remember where he finished? 
It was top five. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know this final spot. Yeah, I'm not sure where he was, but that'll be an interesting one to see. But, Bert, <laughs> local racing is ready to get underway uh, on, in the upper Midwest. Finally, we talk enough about all this. And I, and I like the national touring series and I like the late models in the USMPS and the world of outlaw sprint cars. But I, I, I had a blast watching the US, the I guess the deal down in Humboldt because there were so many of our guys in it. Kind of like I like watching the Wild West shootout because there's so many of our guys in it. Kind of like you like watching uh, the Bristol deal because there's a lot of your guys in it. The Cedar Lake Speedway dash race number one, ready to get underway Saturday night. Um, the first of, I guess, all of our area tracks. I think uh, the first Wisconsin track, I don't think there's a track in Minnesota opening up yet. Um, you know, they're not with soda, but I, I consider it the with soda region. It's definitely in the power rankings region. And that is going to be all the Cedar Lake stuff. Dirt Race Central is actually covering all the Cedar Lake stuff for the 2021 season. Um, so you can you can jump on there a couple different ways. You can go to uh, watchdrc.tv or watchfye.tv. It's the same thing. Um, FYE Promotions, of course, Chris Steppen helped put that deal together so that Dirt Race Central could cover the action at Cedar Lake, which I'm happy as all hell because Cedar Lake's got some great racing and that I get to watch it all year long. I, I'm pumped, so I, I'm excited, so thankful that they were able to make that deal work. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this, right? Because we we know the guys that we typically watch in that area. You know, when you talk late model racing, one guy came to mind last year at the Cedar Lake Speedway. Bert, who, stu who stood out in the late models at the Cedar Lake Speedway? Well, for me... It, yeah, the X Factor. I was wondering where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he was always in victory lane at Cedar Lake Speedway, especially in the big shows. It was. And, and now here's the deal. Of course, he's not going to be there, right? So Glenn's is going to be running at Webster City for USMPS points. So there was one other guy that when, you know, a couple nights he missed because it's, I don't know if he missed many nights at Cedar, but he missed a few nights at the end of the year because his car was wadded up. But who's the guy that gave Glenn's the most fits in 2020? Well, that would be Giassi, yep. right? Yep. So there you go. So we're on the same page. The GG Express, Glenn's and Giassi. Now, Giassi's got to be the favorite um, to win a lot of races at Cedar Lake. Another guy that kind of, he started late, ran a limited schedule last year, A.J. Demel. I feel like he's going to kind of be reinvigorated. That's a guy right there that I can see him running well. Um, of course, Jake Radetzky. There's a guy that, you know, he had, had motor issues, ended up selling this car, had some life issues last year. He's going to be hungry. The Hermantown Hammer, Daryl Nelson. I'm, I'm excited to see that. Of course, they got a full field of modifies and super stocks and mid, or they call them pro stocks, but Midwest mods. And, you know, they got, they got a full field. I think they got traditional sprints, but if you had to pick right now, and I don't even know who's all going to be there, you know, early season deal. Sometimes people stay home the first week because of weather or, you know, car ain't ready, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm throwing it out there. I'm going with Giassi. He, he's, he, he likes to get off to a fast start. Who are you picking? 
Um, I'll agree with you. I'll go with GFC also. And I mean, you're talking about drivers being reinvigorated uh, for, you know, the upcoming season. I think every late model driver in the area is going to be because now they're aware that there are power rankings that they're that they could be on. So uh, that could make a big difference. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, and uh, well, we'll go into that. Let's talk about the last lap now, right? <laughs> So we're, we're into the last lap, and I'm going to skip right on down to that. So the power rankings last year, of course, we we posted the top 10 regional late models, which was Wasota, Tri-State, Dirt Kings, kind of that whole area, Cedar Lake, which would be kind of open, uh, not necessarily open, but I, I wouldn't call it, it was NASCAR, but I think it's just non-sanctioned now. That's kind of that area. But we're actually doing a power rankings show weekly. It's going to air every single Wednesday. And that's going to be for the regional late model stuff, right? All the all of Wisconsin and Minnesota, the Dakotas, the whole Wisota area. Of course, the, the re, repairable vehicles, Tri-State Late Model Series, the NLRA Late Model Series, the, the Discount Shop Hells, Dirt King Series. That's all going to play a factor into our late model power rankings. And also, we're going to do it for the... I'm going to call it the Wissota Mods, Wissota Superstocks, Wissota Midwest Mods, and Wissota Street Stocks. Now, um, this is a show, of course, going to be brought to you by our friends over at buyracerch.com, but we're going to have some other sponsors for each class as well. But I'm just going to go ahead and say this right here on the show. Cedar Lake and Jim Falls are both Wissota area, right? Most of the guys that race at those two tracks also race Wissota stuff. So just so everybody knows, because people are going to be going, well, why are you counting those? I'm counting the Cedar Lake and Jim Fall stuff as part of the power rankings for this group, okay? So when you see, if you see like Daryl Nelson that runs Superior, Cedar Lake, and Proctor, Cedar Lake is going to weigh in on his, on his results. Same thing with the late models, because all the late model guys over there, they run Cedar Lake right on a Saturday. And so I'm counting those two tracks on that so so that way nobody has any miscommunication there now um we're going to be starting out it's going to be following i'm doing the show right after cedar lake and i know not everybody's going to be there i kind of have our preseason top 10 already picked out but it may play a factor in cedar because our first show is going to come on right after that one so if, if you want your name in that top 10, get your butt to Cedar Lake and get your butt in the top three and we'll make sure that you get up there, right? Make some noise, so to speak. So um, a little bit of news in the late model stuff. This is a guy that kind of uh, had an interesting season last year. Um, Shane Edgington from up in the Winnipeg area. So rumor has it, rumor has it, he's actually going to come down to the States here in a couple of weeks and he plans on staying if they don't open the borders, he's just going to, he got it all worked out that he can come over. He just can't go back and forth because then you got to quarantine for the two weeks and all that. But if the borders don't open, it sounds like he's going to stay in the U.S. and he's going to follow a full set of Wasota late model racing. Um, I'm guessing uh, running for the national championship, the NLRA, of course, he was runner, runner up in 2019. And last year, this dude went six for six. So, Limited schedule, but a hundred percent wins. So, ah, man, I tell you, I, I had him out of the top 10 Bert, on the preseason power rankings. Cause I just didn't think he was going to race much, but I'm feeling like I might have to, I'm feeling like I might have to kind of rethink that. I, I like, I'm sliding him up into the top 10, 
But I got a question for you, and I know you don't watch that region a lot. You're going to watch more of it this year. But with him coming in, he's going to be racing against Dustin Strand and Brad Sang on a weekly basis a lot, right? Now, by him coming over, I promise you he's taking some wins from them guys. Yeah. I was happen. just I was just thinking the same thing. I mean, that that could uh impact. So, yeah, so do I fade strand just a little bit, you know? I'm not gonna tell everybody where I got everybody placed right now, but well him coming I, I over. I don't think you can do it until they actually until he actually um uh pr proves that that he's going to be taking wins away from those guys. Well, I think he proved it the last time he ran down there. <laughs> well, you know? right, so, right. So, I, so. yeah, I, I tell you, you know, he's a guy and he's going to be hungry. You know, Dustin, right, he races the NLRA deal. So he, that's basically what he races for because he has commitments to his customers and, and whatnot. But Edgerton ain't going to do that. You'll see, you'll, I guarantee you're going to see Edgerton racing Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. You know, so... So I would argue that maybe he goes ahead of everybody. I, I don't know. We're going to find out. Stay tuned, right? Because that's the guy right there that he's going to win races and he's hungry. Now, the question mark is, is if, if he's running that new sniper, is that going to be an advantage, a disadvantage? That's all rumors right now, speculation on if that's what he has, but that's what the rumor mill has. So Shane Edgington to run a full schedule here in 2021, that excites me. I'm excited to see that hell of a race car driver. Um, Bert, did you see that deal at Williams Grove? They had a uh, late model action there this past week. Yes, I I did see the rollover. Um, Brian, I don't know. How do you pronounce his last name? Bernheisel. Bernheisel. Yeah, he had a pretty wicked rollover. I mean, he actually rolled out of the ballpark, so to speak. I mean, he rolled over the top of the fence and... Uh, um multiple fractures in his neck and upper back and you know obviously you know prayers to him and for a speedy recovery uh you know it just goes to show that um every time one of these drivers straps into a race car you know you know something like this can happen and that's why never skimp on safety equipment yeah, definitely prayers to him i i sounds like he had fractured uh neck and back and he's pretty pretty beat up from that deal. And I saw, I kind of read up on it a little bit, and, you know, of course, Williams Grove, big, big sprint car area. Late models is pretty big there too. Not as big as sprint cars is for sure there, but they don't have a catch fence. So they got the wall that goes all the way around the track. And, and, and people would say, well, I mean, there's no grandstands there. You don't need a catch fence. But from what I understand, there's like a big drop off behind there. So when he left the building, it's not like he was just like leaving the building and going flopping right over. He, I don't know how, how big of a drop, but it sounded like it was pretty significant. So, you know, maybe if that's the case, maybe they got to consider putting in a, some kind of a catch fence to kind of keep them in. I know it's a rare occurrence, but if it's a sprint car track, I'm sure it's happened with them before. I would have to think. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and uh, kind of a tough break, not a, kind of definitely a tough break for him. And hopefully he gets uh, healed up and can get back in action. Now I'm going to jump over and come back to you, but, um, so every, there was a lot of drama on the 2020 page about the Wasoda, the structural buildings, Wasoda late model challenge series. And, you know, and, uh, with, with 
they had a show that was scheduled for May 29th up at the North Central Speedway in Brainerd. Of course, the night before that, the 28th, they're in Princeton. And, you know, there was some excitement. Late models coming back to Brainerd. It fell within the mile radius, of course, for Hibbing. Hibbing was in a tough spot because they already dropped three classes for another track. So it's like, well, we can't just drop another one. So so needless to say, they somehow it all got worked out in Brainerd canceled their challenge series show but rice lake has now picked that up so there is still going to be a challenge series show on the 29th it's going to be friday this is memorial day weekend so friday that's going to be at princeton saturday they're going to go to rice lake and then uh sunday they have off so i'm hoping knock on wood i guess they don't even know if they're racing i don't know, knock on wood they go to proctor i don't know if proctor's racing that weekend or not because of the you know specials going on but then monday they're down at um, Granite City um, for a Challenge Series race, Granite City Motor Park. So um, news there for the late model fans. Um, the show that was canceled has been replaced. So people like Jeffrey Massengill that's going to follow the Challenge Series, um, he still has a Saturday night track to race at. Otherwise, he would have been in Hibbing, which I'm a homer. It's always good to see him at the home track, but now we can race for some money. So that's good there. Speaking of racing for money, Eastern Wisconsin made a big announcement this week. Bert, what you got? Yeah, um, I I alluded to this, I don't know, probably a month or more than a month ago um, that uh, there was going to be a big late model special at Shano Speedway. And details were finally finalized over the past week. And, um, I mean, it's exciting for Eastern Wisconsin. Um an anonymous donor has uh, donated uh, $10,000 to the late model purse on what day is that? July 31st. It's a late model special at Shano. Uh, so it's going to be 5,000 to win. And then the other 5,000 is going to be split throughout the field. I believe it's 300 to start. And, um, you know, so I'm excited about that. Unfortunately, um, it's not a perfect world. Unfortunately, that is a Wasota Challenge Series race at Rice Lake. And, uh, you know, they're in superior the night before, then the Challenge Series goes to Rice Lake. So it's not an ideal date, but uh, the person who is putting the money, who is donating, you know, putting the $10,000 extra into the late model purse, um, this is racing for a reason night at Shano Speedway. This will be the 11th year of racing for a reason. And he wanted to donate that to racing for a reason night. He wanted to make racing for a reason more special. And Plymouth, the other late model track in Eastern Wisconsin is not racing that night. So, you know, most of the Plymouth late models should be coming up to Shano, I would hope. And, you know, even, even though it's the same night as the challenge series race, um, you know, there should still be, I'm hoping 30 late models at Shano. When you get the Plymouth cars there, you may get a couple of stragglers from the Western side of the state that, you know, if they're not following with soda challenge series points. Um, but I'm excited, but yet <laughs> it, you know, I wish it was a different date, but you know, I understand it's for racing for a reason. I mean, uh, racing for a reason has raised $170,000 over the past 10 years, uh, and all the money is donated to uh, uh, towards uh, fighting children's cancer. And uh, last year, uh, I believe it was uh, 
$18,000 was raised last year. There's a lot of uh, silent auctions, bucket, uh, bucket drops and stuff like that. So, you no, know, do you do a die cast for that? You yeah. Do a die yeah. Yeah, I did have you let the cat out of the bag yet? Who it is, or not yet? Not yet. Maybe I'll maybe I'll unveil that on our show when I when I get to that point. Uh, I right. know which one I'm going to do. I'm just not ready to announce it yet. Okay. And... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's a good. That shows how good the racing community is. You know, banding together in a unique way to create some revenue for such a good cause. It's really kind of touched a lot of lives. So you know, hats off, of course, to Brad over there at the at Shano Speedway. And, and I know that you have a part in that and several people do on putting that together. And, and you're right. I mean, it, it, it kind of sucks that it's against the challenge series deal. It's hard to schedule that stuff. You know, it'd be right. nice I mean, to see some of them come over, but Anvil Inc. is probably going perfect. It's on the perfect night. We don't want none of them guys over there, but he, I think he's going to, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see if maybe Mike Mullins maybe runs a little bit more. Right. And, uh, yeah, he, he'll be fun to yeah. watch, too, but I mean, they'll be good cards. I, I was looking at the schedule, and, you know, it's hard to schedule a special um, because the week before that, Cedar Lake has a 5000 to win for late models, and then the Challenge Series is the following week, and then the week after that is USA Nationals. So that time of the of the summer is just filled with, with specials, and Shano has to plan their late model specials when Plymouth isn't racing. They have to, I mean, you know, if there was an Osota Challenge Series, you know, I'm curious to see how many drivers would come over, uh, Western drivers. I mean, last year there was a 4,200 to win Dirt Kings race at Plymouth and uh, only four Western drivers showed up for that. So, you know, it's hard to say how many drivers would have from the West would have showed up you know, if there wasn't a challenge series race. Yeah. But, for that kind of money, you'd hope it'd be more, you know, another interesting thing on that weekend, you know, that's also the same weekend as Fairberry's Prairie Dirt Classic. Right. So you could see maybe a Taylor Scheffler um, having to make a decision if he's going to go down and race for 50 grand to win with that group, or if he's going to go up to Shano, um, I guess, you know, weather always plays a factor and there's a lot of different things, but Needless to say, there's a lot of money on the line. It's going to be a good show regardless. And uh, right. we'll be talking about it when and, it comes. So. And there's nothing wrong with the West or with the Eastern driver taking on the money. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's true. And, and uh, But I think we all agree. And, and it doesn't just happen there. I mean, it's it's kind of the common, probably throughout the country, scheduling is tough. You know, the, everybody's got specials and they got all this stuff and they're trying to compete and trying to trying to get as many cars there as possible. I mean, in a perfect world, we get, you know, 50, 60 late models from multiple regions, but it just, it seems to be tougher and tougher to do these days. And, you know, that, I guess it is what it is, but, you know, when you throw that kind of money on the line, it's going to be some exciting racing. And yeah, and uh, is that, hopefully it's going to be streamed too, so we can watch it. And another, another cool thing about that event is they're not increasing the admission price. It's still okay. going, only going to be 10 bucks to get in for adults. Nice, nice. You you don't that doesn't disappoint you at all, then, right? Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of recap. Uh, we'll recap. I'll touch just briefly here on, um, I guess, our big events coming up. The ones that we're kind of looking forward to. Bert, I'll let you start. Um, which, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? 
Well, I mean, as I was, well, it's actually not the weekend, but as I was last week, you know, I'm looking forward to that Castro, you know, racing night in America. Uh, you know, they're going to have a, a, a pre-race studio show. So I'm, I'm curious to see uh, uh, what they do for that and how elaborate that is. I mean, you know, is it going to be like the NASCAR pre-race shows or, you know, so um, I did watch uh, on Dirt on Dirt they previewed they had they had a podcast where they previewed it and uh they were talking about uh some of the things that they'll be doing so i'm curious to see how it all shakes out yeah that'll be a good one that's of course wednesday night on flow racing um a couple other ones i'm looking forward to always looking forward to the world of outlaws both late models and sprints so the sprint cars are going to be at i-55 friday and saturday that is on flow um the whistle the world of outlaw late models the Illini 100, a lot of money on the line there. Farmer City, that's on, I, I shouldn't say flow, Dirt Vision for both the World of Outlaw races, Dirt Vision. Um, USMTS Modifieds, uh, looking forward to that. As always, that's going to be down at Hamilton County Speedway. That is on Racing Dirt. Um, and probably, I guess, the one I'm, I would say, other than the Flow Racing Night in America, I think the one I'm most looking forward to because it's local is the Cedar Lake Speedway. Oh. That's going to be on Dirt Race Central. There's other races there as well that we mentioned. Um, you know, check them all out. We'll be talking about them next week. Power rankings coming up. A lot of good racing action. And it's time for people here to kind of get their uh, their stuff revved up. And, Bert, I was down in South Dakota here just a couple of days ago. It's like 70 there today. I come up here to northern Minnesota. I'm at my parents' house. There's still snow on the ground and ice on the lakes. And I'm like, <laughs> No wonder I moved out of here. This is depressing, right? I mean, this is crazy. So so it's, it's actually fairly nice today, but I, I kind of like living where it's a heck of a lot warmer. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting back there in a couple of days. So, Bert, always a pleasure chatting, racing. We can do this all day, every day. And uh, race fans, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed episode number 73. And as Puka always says, go out there and be your dream. I'm Ryan Aho. That's the Bert Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go show. He's a wrap. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.